0: Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. Yuan, why don't you get us started?
1: Thanks, Peter. We start today with two proposed rules. On August 30th, the DOD issued a proposed amendment to the DFARS to implement a portion of Executive Order 13881, maximizing the use of American-made goods, products, and materials, which changes the percentage used to determine whether a product is foreign or domestic under the Buy American statute. Now, similar FAR amendments were previously finalized in January, 2021. So the DOD's proposed rule would align DFARS subpart 225.1 and the corresponding contract clauses with the January FAR updates. Now the DOD proposed rule would adopt among other things, a couple significant changes. First, it increases the domestic component costs that's generally needed from 50 to 55% for a non-COTS end product to qualify as domestic. And second, it establishes for the first time outside of federal grant programs, special and complex rules for end products consisting wholly or predominantly of iron or steel or a combination of both. Now turning to the second proposed rule, also on August 30th, the DOD issued a proposed amendment to the DFARS to implement section 803 of the NDAA for fiscal year 2020, which provides additional requirements related to the submission of data other than certified cost or pricing data. Now, specifically, the proposed rule implements NDA amendments that first, prohibit contracting officers from determining that the price of a contract or subcontract is fair and reasonable based solely on historical prices paid by the government, unless there's adequate price competition. And second, it makes an offerer ineligible for a contract award when it fails to make a good-faith effort to comply with a reasonable request to submit data, And the contracting officer is unable to determine by any other means that the proposed prices are fair and reasonable unless the head of the contracting activity determines otherwise. Now, the proposed rule also amends DFARS 242.1502G to add an additional requirement that unless exempted by the HCA, a notation is required in the contractor performance assessment reporting system when the contractor has denied multiple requests for submission of data other than certified cost or pricing data over the preceding three-year period, despite receiving an award. Peter, back to you. Thanks,
0: Yuan. Uh, There's been a lot of news out of OFCCP. The last couple of weeks has been no exception, so an update uh, there next. On August 31st, the Office of Management and Budget approved the Department of Labor's Office of Federal Contracts Compliance Programs Affirmative Action Program Verification Interface. It's designed to be the primary source for federal contractors to enter, track, and submit are affirmative action programs for review by the OFCCP. Currently, federal contractors submit those plans via email or mail and are not required to certify annually to the OFCCP that they have updated those plans. The OFCCP explained that this interface is a secure web based method which is designed to open, quote, improve communication and the transfer of information of affirmative action program data between federal contractors and the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs." Close quote. Now we're gonna turn it over to Yuan for a GAO decision that's gonna be of interest to a lot of joint ventures. Yuan, over to you.
1: Thanks, Peter. On August 27th, the GAO sustained a protest that was filed by Infopoint, finding that an Air Force solicitation provision that required a small business JV offeror to itself hold a facility clearance, rather than the individual JV members, was inconsistent with the fiscal year 2020 NDAA, as well as the SBA's implementing regulations at 13 CFR 121.103, which specifically prohibits such a requirement. Section 644 of the Small Business Act states that when evaluating an offer of a JV of small business concerns, if the JV does not demonstrate sufficient capabilities to be considered for award of a contract opportunity, the head of the agency shall consider the capabilities of each member of the JV as the capabilities of the JV. The fiscal year 2020 NDAA also directly addresses the requirement for facility clearances, stating that a clearance for access to a DOD installation or facility may not be required for a JV if that JV is composed entirely of entities that are currently cleared for access to such an installation or facility. The SBA then implemented the requirements from these provisions into 13 CFR 121-103H4, which provides that a JV may be awarded a contract requiring a facility security clearance where either the JV itself or the individual partners to the JV that will perform the necessary security work has or have a facility security clearance. Now here, InfoPoint is an unpopulated mentor protege JV where both members possess the requisite security clearance. The GAO agreed that the solicitation should be amended to permit JVs to be eligible for award where they are comprised of members that each hold the required facility clearance, like InfoPoint. Now, the Air Force argued that the fiscal year 2020 NDA was not effective until implementing regulations were in place and the solicitation was issued before the relevant SBA regulation took effect. But GAO ruled that the NDA became effective upon enactment and unambiguously prohibits the DOD from requiring that a JV hold a facility clearance if the members do. Back to you, Peter.
0: Great. Thanks, Yuan. That one is definitely going to be of interest to a lot of companies. Um, Turning to one final topic, we've previously talked about the White House announcement that requires on-site contractors to have either a COVID vaccination or participate in mandatory testing and certain other requirements. Over the past couple of weeks, agencies have started to roll out their guidance, their plans. There are certainly some consistent themes across agencies, but important differences as well. So something to be on the lookout for. We've been working with contractors to parse through the guidance, explore costs, schedule impacts resulting from the new pr- protocols. A lot of moving parts on the agency requirements and whether the c- contractors or the government should bear those costs and schedule risk, certainly in areas that we're watching closely and happy to uh, assist and discuss with you all. Uh, and with that, we will close it out. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes, brought to you by Croll & Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks so much for joining.
1: The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.